Um, I tried to do the three points sermon, and the more I tried to write it down, the more God was like, nope. So I said, well, Lord, you're going to have to come through. He said, I've been through. It's been in your head the entire time. I actually was supposed to be the backup. <laughs> I said, oh, like I get to direct the sit down this year. Then the backed up, backed out, and here we are. But the Bible says, preach the word. Be instant, be ready. In season and out of season. But I believe what God has for us is in season, amen? So let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the ability to gather together as one sound, one voice, one people, one race, the human race, to worship together and also glean what you have to say to the church. Lord, I pray that I decrease and you increase in me so that way you may get the glory out of this. And Lord, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So, thank you, Lord. Tonight's word, or where we're just going to go, is a provocative prophet. A provocative prophet. When you hear the word provocative, instantly it comes to this, to your mind, a definition of seduction. When you think of provocative, we think of something that's inappropriate, something that, oh, hide the kids, we don't need to see it. But if you look at the etymology of a word, I mean, y'all saw my, my whole education has been in English, and I am a, I call myself a word nerd, not just the word of God, but also words in general. And I love to hear where words come from. And the word provocative is, a, is from the word provoke, which is from the Latin provocare, meaning to call forth. Anytime you see the word part VOC, voc, it means call. So when God dropped this title in my spirit, I said, Lord, these people are going to think I'm crazy. And he said, just trust me. Just say what I tell you to say. A prophet by nature is provocative. I know for, for many of y'all who don't know me that well, I come from the charismatic side of the tracks, the hand clapping, foot stomping, tugging, talking, if you catch us on a good Sunday. And... Many people in, in my neck of the woods teach about the gift of prophecy as well as the office of the prophet. Let me give you a definite, let me tell you how the prophet would function in the Bible days. That the prophet, particularly in the Old Testament, was seen as an advisor. It was their job to tell the king or the queen or whoever was in power it, what, what, what God is saying. And if, you re if you've read your Bible, you can see that there have been many times that when the people heard and obeyed the word of God, there was blessing. But when they did not, what happened? Every time Israel lost a battle, it's because they did not follow the word of God. The job of a prophet was not an easy one. Because if you got it wrong, you died. If you got it right to the wrong person, guess what? You died. People did not want to become a prophet. Because they understood that you have to be willing to give your life to, to speak what God is saying. 
Even now in, in, in our modern day, even now in 2022, God is raising up people to decree and declare what his word says. However, back in my neck of the woods and in, in the charismatic movement, everybody wants to be a prophet because they, they want to be able to look at somebody and go, guess what, you're going to get a million dollars. And that person just be like, I see it all the time. I just sit there and be like, you just, you just playing, you're doing the most, doing too much. That they seek the office of a prophet because in nowadays it's a spot of notoriety that people want to give words. But, the real, but the true, a, a true prophet it, uh, understands that they must say what God has called them to say, no matter if it offends you, no matter if it bothers you. You have to understand something that Dr. King was not liked in his day. We celebrate this man. We've been celebrating him since 1986. How do I know that? I guessed it and I, and I got an appetizer at work. Praise God. I said, I better know this. I'm over diversity. I better get this right. But King was not liked, not just by white folk, but by black folk too. Because the white folk were like, why is he trying to change stuff? And the black folk were saying, you're doing too much. Sat down. We was right, we was right fine where we were. Because you have to understand for the black side of things, they have been used to being beat down. They have been used to being mistreated. That everything was the status quo. I shared this with a lot of people this week, and somebody going to catch this. That the previous generation's brokenness can become your normal. So when King began to speak of peace and nonviolence, it bothered some folk. Because... They were used to, to prophets that tickled their ear. You know, people love to hear, hear about your, you're you going to be blessed. Your finances are going to be blessed. Your children are going to be blessed. You even like it with people, but you hear everybody else, somebody giving, everybody giving somebody else the business, right? But when it comes to matters of the heart, you can, talk, you can tell me I'm going to get a new job, but don't talk about my attitude. You can tell me that my children's children will be blessed, but if you tell me to stop sinning, we're going to have a problem. The Bible says in Luke 6, 43 through 45, reading from the CSB, it says a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. For those of you who said, okay, that's New Testament. Let me go to the Old Testament to affirm what was just said. Proverbs 23, 7. And I'm going to read it from the King James Version in case you like the these and the thous. It says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The reason why people didn't like Cain because he spoke to the condition of the heart. And the bad thing was he wasn't yelling and screaming and spitting. He was just sitting on buses on the wrong section. He was sitting in cafeterias in the wrong section. He was marching down the street with folk and everybody else because this has been the condition. This is what they've been taught. You have to understand that you don't, you're not born racist. 
You're not born hateful. It is taught. It is ingrained. Some people, oh, this is all I know. Okay, I understand that. The battle, the battle that, that King had because people benefited from the systems. People benefited from the fact that multiple groups of people had to be demoralized, had to be degraded, so that way a group of people could feel important. This, this, this heart, this arrhythmia was being preached across the pulpit. Can I give y'all some history? Y'all know that, that many states outlawed slaves or even freed blacks to be able to read. The reason why that is is so they couldn't be able to read the Bible or read things that tell them, guess what, you can't be free. Then folks started reading. Folks started going to church. So, the master said, let's give them a slave Bible. And let's take out the scriptures that talk about freedom. Freedom from captivity. Freedom from slavery. Freedom from bondage. Let them think that, that Jesus looks like their master when the word says that his eyes are like fire and his hair is like wool and his feet is like brass. If I take you out of the narrative, you won't understand authority. So why did it have to start in the church? Why couldn't it have started in the government? Why couldn't it have started in the schools? Because the Bible talks about that judgment begins where? In the house of God. So he had to go to the place where black folk felt safe. Church was the only place you could, that's the reason why we got our Sunday best partially from our African ancestors, but also in, sla in slavery times and even through segregation and, 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 um, and, and um, sharecropping and all the stuff that was going on. They had one good outfit, that was their Sunday clothes. And you better not mess up your Sunday clothes. My grandma, my grandma's from Bessemer, Alabama. My great grandfather is the child of slaves and she would tell me stories about how my great-grandfather, the sharecropper, Caleb Gaines, dark as soot with blue eyes. But I don't, but Barry, don't be messing up them clothes now. Then she'll say some few choice words to him and do what she want. But that was the one place where they could be free. Because after they went to service with the master, they had, they, they had their own church. It was the one place where they could be themselves, where they didn't have to worry about the, the, the overseer's whip, where they didn't have to worry about breaking their fingers and cutting their fingers in, in cotton or the abuse and the neglect that they had to deal with because someone thought they were livestock rather than someone who had a living hope. And let me, make, let, me, let me help some people who might be watching this right now that Christianity was not a new concept to the slave. You have to under, if you read the book of Acts, the move of God, the, the, the movement from the way to Christianity was a multicultural move. Everybody was up in that piece. 
You have to understand that the Roman Empire was not, was, was not assimilative. You can keep your culture, you can keep your practices as long as you didn't bother breaking, as long as you didn't break any Roman laws, right? So, and, and they covered pretty much all the Mediterranean. So we had all these, all these kingdoms, all these nations, all these people of different skin colors coming together saying that Jesus is Lord and we're going to follow him. If you look at the Azusa Street Revival, it, took, it was a multicultural move. But the condition of the heart was the very thing that split it in two. Let's even talk about 2023. So I was, I was on, on Facebook. Y'all who know me know I'll, be, I'll always be on social media. The Lord's yet working on me. And I was inviting, I was going into the groups, you know, I call them the succubus groups where like you go in there, it's just like the succubus and negativity just like takes the life out of you. So I said, you know what, we're gonna give them some life. We need some sangers. Which then they do a good job. Y'all yeah. say, we literally have had a total of six hours of practice. <laughs> so I was on those groups and I was on, okay, this group, this group, and I saw this group and I said, why am I joined in this group? So, you know, I'm a little nosy. I clicked it. And it was a group. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. It, it was a local hate group, Facebook group. If you, they literally said, if you want all the Aryan news, this is your spot. I said, how did I end up in this group? Y'all know I'm black. Like, y'all see the picture, clearly I'm black. But it grieved my heart because yet and still, the heart. Whatsoever a man thinks in his heart, he is. God had to come to the church house because that's the language that the black folk knew. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Hey. Use Bible to tell people how to, how to get across the Ohio River to not just get to the north, to get to Canada. That's what they knew. The reason why black churches have watch night service is because the New Year's Eve before the Emancipation Proclamation came into effect, just to make sure it was gonna happen, that people gathered in their churches, gathered in their houses, and they prayed in the new year. They knew God. Again, Christianity was not a new concept. They knew God. And they knew that the only thing that could change the heart of men is God. The thing that we're facing right now is that people are, have said, oh, this is the Lord, this is the Lord's doing, but, it, but, 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 but the fruit don't match. Well, the Lord said, the Lord ain't say that, you say that. You just want to have some, have some clout with somebody. The Lord said, the Lord, that your pizza told you that. That Taco Bell you had at three o'clock in the morning, right before they closed, gave you that word. 
And I go back to that slave Bible and the Bible says, do not change anything in this word, even a tittle. That means the, 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 the dot of the eye, don't even change that. What the word says is what the word says. So the thing is, so, so the thing is when people are preaching this stuff from the pulpit or preaching this stuff in the house of God, they are literally stripping the word of its power because you wanted to fit an agenda. So it had to happen in the church. It had to happen to a man who was born Michael, but his daddy went, went on a trip and said, you know what, both our names are going to be Martin Luther. King understood the prophetic mandate on his life. He understood the fact that he was probably going to have to die to see the dream come to pass. Reverend Loudon brought up the story of the I Have a Dream speech that it wasn't planned. He has said it a few times that he was speaking to the crowd at the March on Washington and, and the speech was a little dry. And Mahalia Jackson said, tell him the dream, Martin. And he, I have a dream. And that changed the whole trajectory of the civil rights movement. The night before he died at Mason Temple, Church of God in Christ, he said, I've been to the mountaintop. I might not get there with you. Because he understood that what he was doing was provoking the hearts of men to change. He understood that violence only begets violence. And if you look at the violent arms of the civil rights movement, it was literally majority black folk. But if you look at the non-violent side, you had a little bit of everybody. Because people who were not, not just black folk, white folk, our Jewish brothers and sisters, people in government, people from all walks of life, understood that this was a heart condition. That, we are, that, the, that the country was experiencing arrhythmia and the only cure was a pacemaker called Jesus Christ. So we were called to be together. We're called to walk and talk and live together. I'm just going to call a spade a spade in here. This is going to be provocative. So I have a provocative prophet moment. In the past three years, we have seen what happens when the vision takes over. I remember I preached, last time I preached was actually 2020. And I preached a message saying, follow the compass. That the compass of this earth and of this country is not following the heart of God and we need to turn our eyes to God and then guess what God did? He shut everything down. I, quit, I told people quit rebuking COVID. It's the best thing that ever happened to Christianity because it shows you who you actually serve. If you can't pray in your living room, we got a problem. But it also revealed the heart of people. Because in May 2020, while we was up in the house, George Floyd had to die. And then all of a sudden, we saw protests happening in major cities around the country. And the Lord warned me, he said, it's about to come to Lancaster. I said, okay, God, please don't let it come to Lancaster. I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm in the house. But it showed up at our doorstep. It showed up in the crossroads of our city. And the thing is, and I'm just going to say it like it is, I saw the most vile things come out of the people's mouths in this city. But what silver a man thinketh in his heart, he is. It bothered me. People who I've grown and loved and grown respect for were now talking about someone who looked like me, who could have been me. But yet you preach in your pulpit. I've preached in some of the pulpits. All because of the condition of the heart. The city was at odds with each other for months. 
because of the condition of the heart. This is all I know. This is what I've been taught. This is the way it always needs to be. But God is revealing something. God is showing you this is where your heart is. This is a heart issue. And heart issues become sin issues. Hatred is sin. Prejudice is sin. You can't Look at your brother and say, I love him, with one voice and the other says, I can't stand. I, mm -mm. But King did was to expose national sin and a national blemish. He wasn't yelling and screaming at the cameras. He was just protesting and preaching. And God gave him a word. I have a dream. And we're inching closer to it. We're getting there. But the reality is, God is calling us again in 2023. Where's your heart? Where does your heart lie? Could you stand with somebody who's not like you? Could you eat dinner with them? Could you love them? Could you have them over to their house, to your house? Could you be over their house? Are you willing to sit and have conversations about under, uh, understanding one another. The Bible says in all you're getting, get what? Understanding. Or let me give you um, Stephen Covey. Seek to understand and then be understood. It's our heart. It's our heart. God desires to speak to the heart. I know some of y'all are like, yeah. I know some of y'all are like, I can't believe he went there. But I had to. Plus, y'all know I'm not a hooping and hollering and all that stuff, preacher, anyway. Plus, it's too late. <laughs> God, desires your, God desires for you to have a change of heart. Because I believe that God wants to do something beautiful in this city. I've tried to leave it several times, but God says, no, I want you to see. I want you to be there for it. Your purpose is to not be like Dr. King and you've been to the mountaintop, I won't get there. I want you to see it and live in it. I want all of us who live in Lancaster, even those who live outside, I want us to see it. I don't want us to live in it. That we're no longer living, in, living with hidden hatred. That group, all I've been doing for that group is I've been praying for the group, and I hope some of the people in the group's watching. I really hope that people who are in that group are watching me right now. Because I need them to understand that you cannot call yourself a Christian and hate your brother. I don't care. The Bible says you can speak in tongues of angels or have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, but if you have not love, you have not charity, you have nothing. Your prayer life is fruitless. Your worship is fruitless. Everything that comes out your mouth is fruitless because you have, you have abandoned love. It's your heart. Like King, 
I pray that there are more people who are willing, more people in this city who are willing to stand up and be provocative to provoke people to move forward, to provoke people to have a change of heart. No matter what the cost is. I know for me, in November when I became a bishop, the level and the weight of responsibility on my life got even stronger. It's not just about this role, this role, this, this seat that I sit in. It's not something, oh, it's not something that you, that, that just happens. It's something that you seek after. And the role of the bishop is to help point the church to the heart of God and make sure the church is being what the church is called to be. And the Lord has reminded me of that constantly. Make sure to speak what I tell you to speak. To be who I called you to be. If you got to be provocative, go ahead and go there. Because God is calling for a change. He's crying out for a change. He's crying out for us to move forward. So that in the end, when we get to the promised land, And it's not, I'm not talking about when you die. When we get to where the promise is, we can stand back and say, my heart has been changed. Amen? Amen. And that's the word, amen.